0: The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie
3: Wednesday morning, the 15th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. A 17-year-old boy is missing in Drogheda. Come home keen. We're all worried, sick about you. A desperate plea... On social media, the boy's sister has said she hasn't heard from him since Sunday. Gardaí suspect the child has been murdered and fear some of his remains were found on Monday when human limbs were discovered in a sports bag on a road in Kulak. On Monday evening, a taxi driver was shot in Drogheda. The intended target may have been the subject of retaliation for The murder of this 17-year-old boy. Once again, the Garda helicopter hovered over Drogheda last night as armed Garda carried out raids in Moneymore, Rathmullen Park, the Cement Road, and in Gormanston. The raids were in follow-up investigations into the shooting of uh, the taxi driver and into what is now assumed to have been the murder of a child by gangsters who dismembered his body leading to the grim discovery on Monday and also to the discovery of more human remains this morning in Drumcondra. Yesterday Gardaí issued this appeal for information about the missing teen.
4: The Gardaí and his family of grave concerns for for Keane. Uh, Keane hasn't been seen since Sunday last as about 7 p.m. He's been reported missing to the Gardaí in Drogheda. Keane is about 5 foot 7 in height, about 9 stone weight. Short hair. When last seen, he was wearing uh, red and navy hooded zip-top jackets and canvas shoes. Anyone who may have any information in relation to the whereabouts of Keane or who may uh, have seen Keane since 6 or 7pm on Sunday last, uh, if they could contact uh, Gerardy as there is grave concern for his safety.
3: Gravely concerned indeed, Imelda Munster, Sinn Féin, TD for Loud on the Line. Good morning to you and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. The gangs in Drogheda are a long time out of control, but if the DNA results confirm our worst fears today, this really is a new low to think of murdering a child and then chopping his body up into pieces like this. It's beyond belief, isn't it?
5: It's sick, Mike, is the honest answer, the only word that will come to me, pure savagery. That's what it is, depraved. Can you just imagine, and we don't know yet, but can you just imagine Imagine the torment that family are going through, you know, while the, the, the forensic tests are being carried out today, you know, and DNA to get a definitive match. But whoever it is, whoever, you know, body parts it belongs to, it's somebody's son, And to think that they've stooped to that sort of sick savagery is beyond belief.
3: Apparently uh, the guards have uh, Keane's uh, DNA anyway because he was arrested uh, last month uh, and uh, given a suspended sentence over another incident and he's been involved in this feud and uh, maybe there's uh, something uh, in uh, this young person's life experience that will send out a message to other young people listening to us today
5: well i mean if that doesn't frighten the daylights out of youngsters that are either involved in some way in this feud whether it's runners you know going around with the drugs or drop offs and pickups and what have you um in any shape or form if that doesn't deter them from getting involved or to you know send a message to them to just break out break away from that lifestyle completely i don't know what what will you know but Um, I do know yesterday the Guardian and the armed support unit were flat out Mm -hmm. carrying out searches all over the town, both in relation to the the missing juvenile and the shooting on Monday evening. And then we had the the armed raid on the ATM last night. But I think once again, you know, we had the lull over Christmas and uh, once again, fears of, you know of heightened in Drogheda and surrounding areas tensions heightened locally all over again. You know, and it's. I think it's fair to say at this stage that these, the rival gangs involved in this drug feud, they're just hell bent on taking each other out by whatever means are necessary, and then they're not going to stop. You know, and they're showing total disregard for for innocent passers passers by. That um, poor taxi yeah. man. I listened to your interview yesterday. I mean. And when he'd said, you know, when he saw the gun pointing at him, could you imagine that feeling? And then he said his first thoughts were for his children and his family. And all he was doing was his day's work, lucky to escape with his life. Like, you know, but it's personal with these drug gangs at the minute. They're just hell-bent on taking each other out. And the Gardaí are are flat out, you know, trying to, to, to quell it and stop it and bring them before the courts.
3: mm have the guards the wherewithal to do that
5: well, I mean, you remember when this kicked off in July in two thousand and eighteen, and I had raised it several times with the minister you know and to say that the additional resources were slow in coming was an understatement, but we got additional resources and we got mm. the um, the armed support unit, but the Guardi locally were crying out to be given additional resources, and do you remember right at the very beginning? When I was saying that this this was allowed to, you know, to grow, these gangs Mm. were allowed to build their little empires and there was public opinion was that there was nothing much being done with it about it. You know, that there were it was only when the feud kicked off Mm. that it really came into the public domain as such. And we've got the additional resources, but certainly we need we need more additional resources they're
3: stretched will will there ever be enough I mean can an Irish police force combat this type of criminality Uh, what we're seeing now is like something out of Breaking Bad or some of uh, the Colombian
5: it's unprecedented and you can't expect the guards to be everywhere But if they had additional resources in relation to...
3: But even at that, I mean, you're talking about people behaving in a, a way similar to the Colombian narco-kings uh, and the type of uh, killings uh, that we're seeing now uh, means that there is... No sense of humanity, let alone uh, fear, for that matter. Uh, and these fellows, it seems, will do anything, anywhere, any time. Uh, I mean, this is possibly beyond the capabilities of an Irish police force.
5: Well, I mean, certainly, as I said, it's unprecedented. But you have to. You have to get a grip on it, too. You, just, you can't let them continue and terrorise communities and hold people to ransom. I mean, look, locally, mm. we've had attacks on... On homes, petrol bombs. We've had intimidation. We've had uh, savage beatings. We've had how many shootings? Now, you know, and um, they just can't be allowed to take hold. But,
3: but I mean, ke- killing children and. Uh, leaving bits of their body, uh, I mean, I'm uh, reluctant to be too graphic uh, because undoubtedly people are listening to us who are very concerned and very upset uh, and are just waiting for confirmation of their worst fears. Uh, but to think of what these people did to that child, yeah. regardless of how that child has behaved, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a, a child, a human being, let alone anything else, but a, a child uh, to be found in different parts of the country. Uh, it's beyond belief. It's
5: it's as if there's not an ounce of humanity in them, as if they're, they're savages, you know, that they would do that to a teenager. Um, and, God, you don't even want to contemplate whoever that teenager was, what he was going through, you know, when uh, he realised his fate. Like, But it's just the sheer savagery of it that is sick. And that's why these, oh, I don't even know, savages can't be allowed to take a grip on any community you know and Mm. it's only natural that people are scared and we've spoken about this before about people coming forward and giving information Mm. you know but there's the confidential line there's Mm. you know and i i perfectly understand i've dealt with many mothers in my office that they're just scared but unless we we have to work together and with the guards and help them as best we can before you know you just have to put this sort of thing you know, you just have to stamp it out completely it's just, it's unacceptable yeah,
3: and we have people's attention at the moment so there may be an opportunity now uh, to uh, inspire people to act or to give information uh, if they have information because we do see these lulls come about and when there is a, a lull in this type of criminal activity, I think we tend to lapse into a false sense of security. Uh, but here it is in our face. We heard John Miles talk about him facing down the barrel of a, a gun and we're talking this morning about uh, the very callous murder or what is assumed to have been the murder of a local child uh, and to what they have done to his body. So perhaps people uh, will heed that and come forward with information and give the guards the tools that they they need to bring about some prosecutions.
5: I would say that, um, and I've said it. You know, I've encouraged mothers before to to give the information. You know, because if the guards haven't got it, they can't act on it. And but for any parent out there, um, mother or father, who even suspects that their child, their teenager, or their you know their child or their son or daughter is in their mid twenties, and they even suspect that they're in anyway, if they see them with extra money and they can't explain where they got it, if they see them coming and going at all hours of the night, you know, and they even suspect it, they're not helping their child by not giving the information. Look what we've seen. Look at that act of savagery that we've seen. And that's the reality. And so it's so important for parents not only to, to, you know, warn their children against it, but if there's any, if they suspect at all that their child is for their own their child's own safety, that they're doing it in the long run. Mm. You know, and it's the confidential line. But they do, if they do suspect they should do something before something
3: happened to their child. Yeah, and what happened on Monday evening uh, on the Bridge of Peace uh, was uh, in itself hard to believe given how busy an area it is, given how the shooting happened opposite uh, the Garda station and given how busy the town is at that time of the evening and how difficult it must have been to get away, but they managed to do it somehow. Uh, But it shows how brazen uh, these gangs are. Uh, What have you been hearing?
5: I wouldn't call it brazen. I'd call it cowardly you know that individual wasn't long dropping the hard man act he climbed over that poor taxi man and got out the door listened to the interview yesterday Mm. and left the taxi man to take the bullets
3: Mm. Uh, know, and and the,
5: uh, uh, and
3: went r- ran to the guard station yeah, looking yeah. for protection. There's no yeah. doubt about that. I meant brazen in the sense of whoever was pointing the gun that they were uh, willing to do that in front of the guard station uh, and then try to get away in a part of town that would have been very difficult normally uh, to navigate uh, because of the amount of traffic. traffic. Yeah, rush hour. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. Every, but but they in
5: every did. Incident, Mike. That's what we've seen. Do you remember the one up at the retail park? And I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, broad day three o'clock in the afternoon in in Mm. harman's garden i mean there's just constant traffic Mm. going up and down there and the brazenness of them Mm. that day and and that woman felt the
3: wind of uh, the bullet passing her by
5: yeah yeah that's that's what you're dealing with that that they've no regard whatsoever for public safety innocent passer passers by nothing Mm. and that's why They
3: have to be brought to book. And just to reiterate, when when they shot John Miles, the taxi driver, on Monday evening, uh, the target was the passenger in the car. Mm -hmm. John was a a completely innocent victim caught up in the 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 middle of all of this. Uh, And there have been so many people who have been close to becoming victims Mm -hmm. uh, as a a result of this. But what what have you been hearing about Monday shooting? Uh, Did you hear that it may have been in retaliation for uh, the murder of this child?
5: Uh, no, I didn't hear that, to be honest. I just heard that it's it's one aspect or one side of the feud coming after the other. You know, you don't want to say anything publicly, mm. but that's, it just seems to be, as I said earlier, they're just hell-bent on taking each other out, you know, and it's all about, it's got so personal now, it's all about revenge, that's all, and to hell with anyone that's caught up in the crossfire or anything else, it's about revenge. That's what it's all about with these two gangs. So the Gardaí have curtailed their movements, and they've, you know, they're constantly <clears throat> being watched and what have you. But uh, so it's it's purely between the two of them now to get revenge, get one up on the other.
3: Okay, so expect more of the same.
5: Well, let's hope you know between. I mean, it's so vitally important that it, the armed response unit and every bit of resource, additional resource that we need, that we get, so that not only that they can keep on top of it they can nab them and bring them before the courts.
3: All right, we'll leave them Only
5: then people can actually relax.
3: Thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. That's uh, Sinn Féin TD for Louth, Imelda Munster.
6: Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. FM.
3: Stephen Brain, Crime Editor of the Irish Sun, joins us now. Good morning once again to you, Stephen, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme. As always, uh, we've been talking about the limbs found in Kulak on Monday and more body parts found in Drumcondra today. It seems inevitable now uh, that uh, these are the remains of a, a child who has been missing from Drogheda since Sunday. I was asking Imelda Monster a moment ago if it's possible that the shooting in Drogheda on Monday may have been in retaliation for the murder of this child, but it seems as though the Guardi who are investigating this aren't sure who may have murdered him because he was playing on both sides of the feud.
7: Yes, Michael, well it's very early days in the Garda investigation and I think it's now, this investigation now spans three different Garda divisions because of the grim discovery that was made in the early hours of this morning in uh, the Drumcondra area of Dublin where you had a burning car around one thirty this morning and the alarm was raised, the fire brigade responded and then did establish that there were human remains inside the car. So it, it is still early days in the investigation. You know, It, it looks at this stage as if the, uh, the discovery of the remains in Kulak on Monday night are, are linked to this latest discovery you also had. A number of searches in Drahada last night, but th- there there is a problem uh, for Gardaí at, at the moment, and that stems from the fact that this young man, who they believe is the victim of this terrible incident, was working for both sides uh, of of the, the, the those involved in the feud in Drahada. So it's a question of uh, just uh, trying to continue their investigation, you know, use intelligence sources, uh, working uh, with different uh, guard divisions and and different detectives and Mm. trying to establish, you know, who who was behind this. And ultimately, you know, they've also tried and and established where this individual uh, was killed and where his body was dismembered. So we're we're looking at a number of different crime scenes. But I think it's very early to be talking uh, about suspects. But it does look as if it is this young 17-year-old. Uh, He's just a boy, mm, so he mm. is due to celebrate his, his birthday next month. And it was someone who was indeed just warned on January 5th that his life uh, wasn't dangerous. Yeah,
3: tell us about the video that you're reporting on this morning.
7: Yeah, the, the video had gone around uh, online, and there was an individual who was masked in, in this video, uh, uh, warning the, the teenager that he would be kidnapped, murdered, and his body dismembered. And this was in relation uh, to drugs. Now, the teenager um, was aware he, he was under threat as a, when Garda called to his home and told him well, he received a Garda information message for him. So he was aware he was under threat. But you know, he, he is someone who, despite his young age, was involved in the drug feud. You know, he just uh, in, in December, you know, he was convicted in relation to that feud of um, intimidating a family over a drug debt. So you know, he, he was involved, and it's it's an ongoing investigation now to establish you no know, you know which side or which criminal organization was responsible for this
3: uh, and you're reporting this morning uh, as well uh, that uh, the child that uh, Gardee believe may have been murdered uh, was also involved in a number of petrol bombings god knows we've seen uh, enough of them about the town
7: yeah no that's that's right um, he, he was questioned in relation to a petrol bombing at the rear of a property in, in Drahala uh, Last year, um, he, he did receive a conviction, indeed a suspended sentence, in relation to the intimidation of, of uh, the mother of a young man um, who was believed to have owed um, a drugstead So he, he was involved, and the suspicion is that he was acting as some kind of enforcer um, for one of the gangs, but at the same time straddling both sides of the gang. So, you know, uh, it's just uh, it's a matter for the guardian to try and mm. just establish, you know, you know which faction what was behind this. But I, I think. When you look at the Guard investigation team there, you know you have Chief Superintendent uh, Christy Mangan. You know he was involved in the Scissor Sisters notorious case, and um, a number of years ago in 2005, where they were dealing with a dismembered body. So the you know the guards have had success in investigating cases of this nature. You know you also had the um, Kenneth O'Brien case um, a few years ago as well, where his remains were dismembered. So. You know, it is early days, so mm. we have to wait and see where
3: the the, 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 the they, they are. Few and far between uh, these uh, particular t- uh, crimes, uh, and uh, very unusual, I think, uh, in gangland crimes, uh, particularly in this part of the world. Uh, perhaps uh, not uh, as unusual in places like Colombia, where the narco criminals uh, rule the roost. Uh, but uh, it's believed that uh, this boy was killed and. Then they cut his body up uh, and you're reporting this morning that the sports bag in which the limbs were found may have been dropped in a panic of sorts because Garda were in the area.
7: Yeah see there has been a huge Garda presence in the Kulak area because five young men have lost their lives there over the last year in relation to an ongoing feud so that like, there is a possibility that you know this young man was killed at a different location and perhaps the, his his remains were then brought to Kulak, because that, that could also be a way of whoever was behind us, you know, trying to put the Gardaí off the scent, you know, trying to link it to one of the feuding gangs in, in the Kulak area. So, And there is a suspicion that, you know, why dump uh, human remains in a very open space, a residential area, where there are a lot of teenagers around, even at that time of night? So. The, 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 there is a, a, a suggestion that it, it was not an act of panic. You know, they may have spotted the because The guardie were in the area dealing with another incident. So that could be the case where they've just um, decided to uh, leave the bag at the side of the road.
3: All right. And God love the uh, young who discovered uh, those limbs. Uh, further remains uh, found uh, this morning in a, a burning car, was it? Yes,
7: uh, a burning car this morning so the alarm was raised at 1.30 mm. by a member of the public and dublin fire brigade responded uh to the incident and it was quickly established that there were remains inside uh, that vehicle so that vehicle remains at the scene it's it, it, the, the area has been sealed off Um so guardy will now conduct an investigation and an examination of the car but also of the human remains which were found inside the car and try and establish if there is a dna match mm. to the, the young guy who's been missing uh, since the weekend, and they already have his DNA because of his previous uh, interaction with the Gardaí being before the court, so they'll try and make a match in that, but they also hope to have the, the DNA results back from the other uh, limbs which were recovered from Kulak on Sunday night, so hopefully there should be some kind of answer, and some mm. answer for his family as well, maybe we will anxiously establish mm. what happened to him.
3: Yeah. They're gravely concerned, as we've been hearing. It's dreadful stuff, if ever there was dreadful stuff. Stephen, thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Stephen Breen, Crime Editor of The Irish Sun. Now, Wednesday morning, and that means uh, the local newspapers have been published. They're in your newsagents. We have them here in studio with us. Marie Kearns is here to tell us about what's on the front pages. And we begin with a homecoming in Drogheda.
4: That's right, Michael. Of course, the Drogheda Independent had gone to bed Um, after that shooting had taken place so they didn't uh, get to report on it so it's a good news story about uh, Ambassador Geraldine byrne nason being awarded the freedom of Drogheda under the headline Geraldine's so proud of her hometown and features a two-page spread inside. There's also a lovely tribute in the paper to one of Drogheda's best-known music teachers Miss Crilly, who passed away during the week.
3: Okay, general election fever in Dundalk. Let's talk about what's on the front page of the Democrat and indeed of the Argus.
4: Yes, because even though the election date hadn't yet been announced, both chose to go with election. Elections on the front page and the general election. Voters braced for a snap election is the headline on the Argus, while the Dundalk Democrat runs with all eyes on the weak county as election fever hits, with Donard McCabe reporting. Uh, at the bat- on the battle ahead at a local level, writing that three of the main political parties, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Fein, are each vying to win two seats in the five-seater constituency. Michael,
3: all right, and the Dundalk leader leads uh, with uh, the restoration of uh, the political institutions in Northern Ireland and what that might mean north and south of the border.
4: That's right, and it's about the Narrow Water Bridge plan being back at the, on the agenda. Uh, local Sinn Fein councillor. Anton Waters is welcoming its inclusion in the New Decade New Approach document released last Thursday as part of the restoration of the institutions in the north of Ireland. The Councillor believes that after many delays and disappointments, the project will finally come to fruition within the next year or two. All so right. we'll be watching that space, Indeed Michael. Indeed we
3: will. We <laughs> right. were talking about petrol bombs in Drogheda a moment ago. Uh, somewhat uh, similar incident in County Mead that makes for the front page of the Chronicle.
4: That's right, and that's the fire bomb attack on the office of Councillor Sharon Keoghan in and I know we're going to be talking to the Councillor shortly about what happened. Meanwhile Michael, inside the paper there's a story that's letting us know we're going to be seeing a lot more wildflowers around Meath in the coming months and the reason Meath County Council has signed up as partners to the Oil Ireland Pollinator Plan and Anne Casey is writing that roundabouts and other open spaces will be among the many areas planted with bee friendly wildflowers over the coming months.
3: Well that's It's just blooming great. (laughs) All right, uh, we'll leave it there for the moment. Uh, Thanks uh, for uh, the front pages from the local papers uh, this morning. People may want to comment on what is in uh, their papers. Uh, They can do that now or if uh, there's something that you've been hearing about that you'd like uh, to make comment on or if there's something for that matter that you'd like to raise with us. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850 715 958.
6: Michael Reed
3: on LMFM. Now, Independent Councillor Sharon Keoghan uh, joins us. And uh, good morning to you. We've been hearing a little bit about your story uh, on LMFM's news, obviously, and uh, from the Mead Chronicle coverage on its front page uh, today. I suppose we would sometimes ask you to comment on crime today. You're speaking to us as a, a victim of crime. For people who didn't hear what happened, maybe you'd explain uh, the incident to us.
8: Well, yesterday morning I was contacted by a member of the public at about, uh, just before half past eight, to say that uh, my window had been smashed. So I contacted uh, uh, one of the business owners, Grace, who runs a cafe there, to pop up to see what the damage was and uh, she informed me then that uh, a fire had taken place at the, at, the, at the office there in Delique.
3: Was it out at that stage?
8: Yes, it was out at that stage. Mm. I had no idea what time the fire was started at um, and nobody seems to know that at this stage. So the guardy obviously attended the scene um, and the detectives and the forensics came there yesterday morning um, they are obviously uh, going through all the CCTV cameras that we have in Dulic and all the business owners that would have CCTV cameras as well mm. so um, they've been extremely good uh, in trying to find out who's after doing this
3: Yeah, So somebody set out uh, to burn your building down
8: Absolutely, I mean it's it's very evident that that's exactly what they they intended to do and um, a brick was thrown through it um, and with some sort of a, an accelerant uh, attached to it and uh, thank God that we had fire doors there and the doors were closed both doors were obviously closed and it, although the office is smoke damaged um, please God, I shouldn't be too long before I get that office up, up and running again for the, the community there.
3: Uh, and what do you think the motivation for this was? Was it wanton vandalism or was it somebody who might have had some sort of gripe uh, against you?
8: Well, look, at, uh, everybody knows I'm very vocal on the the, the drug issue that we have um, in the country um, and the drug issue we have in the county and uh, and our neighbouring in, in there in Drogheda. I would be very outspoken on it and indeed I would have um been involved over the last couple of years not just because elections are coming up I uh, in the it, talking about drugs making people aware about the drug crisis is there drawing awareness there for, like, for parents for teenagers and for communities and organisations mm-hmm. of how epi- what an epidemic it, it has become in our society and uh, I've been quite vocal on it um and I had a number of talks pre-arranged before the election was called and um, I'm going ahead with these talks now. So these talks are coming up and the Gardaí will be attending those uh, talks along with the mental health advocates and the drug awareness advocates. And um, so tonight we're in Stamullen and tomorrow night we're in Cows. So I, I obviously do believe it's because I speak openly about the epidemic that it is and uh, I'm obviously not... not seizing somebody by what I am saying. Mm.
3: Uh, have you been threatened uh, or has there been a- any other action no, against I mean, you before this? No,
8: no, absolutely not. I mean, because we have a fantastic community here in Tabiq. We had a very hard time, I suppose, over the last two years with regards to um, trying to protect the people that, that, that I represent mm. and we've had a number of, you know, deaths in our, in our community. We put together a project there the young teenagers and the young adults know that there's support and help there as a result of the Feel Good project. Um, last year we had no deaths, thank God, um, as a result. And I think it's just getting people talking and letting people know that the, what services are out there to, to help people. And that's what I've done and done very well. When you, we, the, the testament is that, that there's been no loss of life. So to me, that says it all. Um, compared to 2018, where we had a number of deaths by suicide. So, I suppose, bringing awareness about the mental health issue, bringing awareness about the, the drug issues that we have mm-hmm. as a society, they have been key aims of mine uh, for the last couple of years um, and trying to protect the, the people and the families that I mm-hmm. represent.
3: And you felt too upset to talk to us about this yesterday. I take it you're very shaken by it.
8: Oh, my God, I have to say I was absolutely shocked because, you know... I, I suppose I, because I do so much for the for the people, and um, I put my heart and soul into uh, the office, uh, both offices that I have now. I have one in Tariq and one in St. I And, and look, I was on the radio there last week, and you are calling into question what my value. And you know, I work very very hard for for the people that I represent every single day. Um, and people reach out to me Saturdays, Sundays. I'm never off. So. Yes, I was shaken by it because I couldn't believe that someone would attack a councillor like me that is so hard-working mm-hmm. and so caring for the community and the people that I represent that someone would hit me like that and someone would try to, to bore me out. I was really, really shocked by it to say oh, okay.
3: the God's truth. Well, I would have to say I've never questioned uh, anybody's value. I know. Never well, I, I, know. I, oh, well I, I know. I,
8: I, app- I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But it was quite a robust conversation. <laughs> mm,
3: yeah, well, it was about... Uh, claiming a, a grant on the double. It wasn't about your value uh, and I wouldn't question anybody's value or come to a judgment on, on anybody uh, but uh, I think uh, sometimes uh, in the public interest uh, that some questions need to be asked uh, and uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, quite peculiar isn't it uh, to think uh, that the gangs would target a public representative like this if that's what I, is. That well, actually Well it's not
8: just they're not just happened. attacking me. They're not just attacking me. They're attacking every good citizen in our community. This is an attack just on, it's an attack on democracy, it, it, no. Democracy. it's an attack on every single citizen in the community. So, you know, people have to realise that. You know, people have elected me uh, to represent them. I think I do that and I raise the issues that are important to, to people. Um, Sometimes it's not easy to raise, to raise those issues. Sometimes you, it, you're better off sitting in a corner and saying nothing. Mm. But when you see families at, lo- at loss uh, loss of life in a family and you see a community rattled by a loss of life, you have to do something. Doing nothing has never been my policy. I have to do something to try and help the people that I represent. I'm always a solution-based person. Do you
3: believe you're a target now?
8: Yes, I do believe that. You know, and I do believe that. Uh, you know, some of my comments will be quite, quite strong. I mean, um, I, I was co- I was quoted in the Sunday Times in relation to, to petty criminals. I was uh, quoted in a number of newspapers in relation to uh, drug activity. And um, I, I don't know whether I'm a. I, I don't know whether I am a target. The Garda obviously are investigating it. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it. They are aware of the issue. Um, and yet, look at I would be very cautious. Um, I, I would be certainly a little bit more cautious than I was before.
3: Mm. In, in what sense have you uh, I'm been...
8: Cautious being... about my safety and my, you know my staff not just like like I have staff there in my office. I have neighbours next door to my office, mm-hmm. I've you know businesses there next door, I have people that live overhead. You know, I have have the guardian given you
3: advice about your personal security?
8: Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, obviously they've given me the numbers of, uh, of uh, you know, with the Gardaí to ring straight away. They they are going to do, uh, they were out doing uh, house-to-house calls yesterday in relation to seeing Van anybody heard anything or seeing anything. They are just definitely doing more patrols uh, uh, of the area. Um, so I'm very, very pleased with that. And I couldn't fault the Gardaí, uh, you know, for anything that they have done for me over the last 24 hours. Um, so look at i mm. I... I just have to keep going. I, I'm focused on what the work that I do. I, I really believe the work that I do is of real benefit to people um, and I really have to just keep focusing on, on the work that I do and keep delivering for the people that I represent. If he, I just can't stop talking about this issue. I think it's far too important mm. to stop talking about it and I think that's what these people want to do. They want to silence me. They don't want us talking about it. They want to intimidate and cause fear that We will not speak up. But when you have families affected by addiction, when you have families losing sons and daughters for mental health and and, uh, taking their own lives, you have to do something. You cannot just use the excuse of, you know, I'm too afraid. Somebody has to do something. And and, and unfortunately, I have chosen that road. Fortunate or unfortunate, Mm -hmm. I have chosen that
3: road. And you're making that direct link, though, because... You're yeah, talking I about can... the drugs problem because you've organised these public meetings tonight and to tomorrow. Yeah, that drug yeah they're,
8: they're organised for the drug, next month, actually.
3: Drug gangs have petrol bombed your office.
8: I definitely think that there's there's a. I'm speculating highly that I definitely believe that there's some sinister and um, because there's not there's nothing else. There's no. Mm. I mean, I'm 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 there six seven years with a public office there in Dulwich, more actually. I've never been targeted ever before, in a, in a manner like this. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing these meetings. All of a sudden, I'm quoted in newspapers, and then I become a target. So, I suppose, yeah, you know, that's that's what I feel, and uh, you know, um, that's what I feel.
3: Okay. Is happening. All right. Well. We'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Independent Councillor in Mead, Sharon Keoghan. Michael, Michael Reed on
6: LMFM.
3: FM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have come to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie.
4: Good morning, Michael, and good morning to everybody listening in. Lots of people in touch today, Michael. Patricia says it was very distressing to hear your interview with Imelda Munster and to hear what's happening in our town. It makes her sad to see this going on. She thinks that local guardies should be backed up by the army. They have the training and the weaponry needed to provide the support needed and it would help residents to feel safer. Noel says that the government should reopen Spike Island and send these criminals there when they get arrested and get them off the streets once and for all. They are taking over the area and ruining the towns for the honest, decent people living there. Michael, if Monday's shooting is anything to go by, these people are not afraid says Michelle. They did it right beside the Garda station on a busy motorway. Mm. Still got away with it.
3: I think the point Mel de Munster was making was uh, that the intended target ran after the shots were fired to the Garda station looking for protection.
4: Benny phoned in, very upset listening to your show this morning and the possibility that the body parts that have been discovered may be linked to a young Drogheda man. A child. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Drogheda child. man mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. Benny, and my heart is really heavy this morning. I protested away back for the Palestinians Michael for the killings that were going on there now we have this on our doorsteps and to me it's savagery what is going on he says I'm a hard enough man myself I'm a neck soldier I've seen a lot in my time but this really worries me what is happening and I feel that the people of Drogheda and the surrounding areas need to get together we should get together and say no more he fears that they should bring back the death penalty for the likes of that and I just want to say that the feeling I have in my heart this morning is that it's heavy and I am shocked to the core my worry is that this is not finished it is butchery tit for tat yeah and that's really his yeah, well
3: it's not finished and I think he probably speaks for many people this morning. I don't think there are words uh, to describe uh, the butchery that has uh, taken place. Uh, the barbaric action of uh, these gangsters has reached a new low. We thought we'd seen it all but uh, it really does seem to have gone beyond that. Hold that thought for a moment though because uh, we're going to go to Dublin now because uh, the city centre is coming to a close in or around now and uh, we're joined by Barry Cassidy, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. A very good morning to you, Barry, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Gardaí said uh, they'll be closing off streets from ten o'clock uh, this morning in advance of what is expected to be a massive protest. What's going on?
9: Yeah, so uh, the tractor protest has returned again. Uh, it's the third iteration of it within the last two months. Having started last November, and a smaller version having shown up just before Christmas. I suppose farmers. What they've said is, and what we've heard is that they're they're disappointed with the lack of progress on the ini- the issues that they initially brought that first time in November. Those being particularly beef price, and then carbon tax being another one for a lot of contractors. I suppose for people with machinery and with the tractors that are coming, a lot of those guys are contractors, and they're I suppose they're they're worried about you know increases in diesel prices and cooperation costs for them. Um, what we've seen so far this morning. I suppose the tractors are on the move. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that there's tractors on the way to Dublin. We've seen footage of tractors coming from Cavan. They've stopped and collected in Virginia, and they're now making their way down the M3. As there many as
3: 400 tractors, I, I think, are expected.
9: Yeah, that's what they, the figure the Gardie yeah. quoted last night. I suppose the Gardie have to work with the organisers, and it, I suppose it is good to see that cooperation there to t- attempt to minimise the disruption for, for motorists this morning. Uh, so there's three agreed routes in for the tractors, and the ones coming from the Cavan direction, uh, there's another group coming from, say, over from the west, and then there'll be a group gathering and coming up from the likes of Waterford, Wexford and Carlow. So the last we heard, that that group is in Tullow at the moment. They're making their way in. I suppose everyone's hoping to be gathered in for about two o'clock this afternoon.
3: All right. Uh, there's going to be delays on many of the routes into the city. And the city uh, is already coming to a standstill by two o'clock uh, this afternoon. Undoubtedly, it'll be gridlocked and that will go on until late this evening. Uh, they'll hardly be thanked for it, will they?
9: Well, I mean, uh, last time they came out, I suppose they did receive a lot of support from the people of Dublin. Who I, I think a lot of people appreciate the, the important role that farmers play. And um, of course, there is always where there is disruption, people will be annoyed and people will be angry. Uh, but I suppose these farmers feel that they have to make their, their make their points heard, and they feel they're not being heard without making their without making it their presence felt in Dublin. I suppose it's unfortunate for them that the the doll has stood itself down as of yesterday. Um, But the guys have said that they're still willing to go up and no doubt there'll be plenty of political parties there ready to hear them and they'll be looking for those parties to to give them some kind of backing in their manifestos and, you know, to show their support for farmers. I suppose that's what they really want.
3: Right, uh, but are they deserving of support given that they'll have uh, the option of uh, deciding on who will make up the next government in just over three weeks' time?
9: Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's certainly one way to make your voice felt is at the ballot box. But these guys feel that a public demonstration and to demonstrate their issues is—is is an effective course of action to begin this campaign and just make everybody aware of of beef farmers' issues. In particular, a lot of these people will be beef farmers. Um, you know, the price price of beef hasn't moved uh, since before Christmas. It's still around three the three sixty mark. Um, and those guys would have been expecting a price rise last week having the big task force when it sat and met. Uh, but I suppose they didn't feel that they got enough action from it. They feel that there's a lot of talk. Uh, so, you know, they, they want to bring action to, to the actual public and show them that the farmers are in need
3: of something. All right, well, we'll see what the reaction is, uh, but undoubtedly uh, there will be disruption, widespread disruption, and uh, the city brought to a standstill. Perhaps it's a lesson in how to make friends and influence people, but we'll find out as uh, the day goes on. Thank you indeed uh, for that. Barry Casty news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Now let's go back uh, to some more of uh, the calls uh, that have been coming to us. What else have you got there, Marie?
4: John? John from RD would like to point out to our ministers, TDs and councillors that the biggest problem in this country is law and order, that they're not dealing with this at all. The stolen bank machines, drugs and killings, they must deal with this and change the laws in order to fight the battle. Never mind climate change. This should be the priority. Okay. Another listener, I'm fed up listening about these feuds with drugs, etc. When any of these people are brought to court, they get off. They make out that they are innocent, got caught in with the wrong company. Uh, I feel the prison, prison is not punishment enough. Because they are better treated than our old age pensioners when they are inside prison. They get to pick their menus, etc. I think they need to be put in chains and given hard work, tag them. No prison, no poor Paddy Mary, money wasted on them.
0: All
3: right, I take it the listener wants more action, less talk.
4: We also had an email from a female didn't want to give her name, but just to say that it can't just be put on Drogheda Gardie alone. What are Ashburn, Leytown doing to combat this feud? According to this um, listener, some of the players involved live in East Mead and there needs to be a, a, a joined approach to tackling this she feels left down. She feels that the authorities allowed this empire to be created and sat back for years despite reports from concerned residents. Mm,
3: yeah, Well, there may be some truth in that.
4: I hope the taxi man who was shot yesterday well, it would have been the day before mm. Monday recovers from his injuries. This listener feels it's time for the Minister for Justice to say enough is enough. That the Gardaí need to be given tougher um be able to give out tougher penalties. Oh, I think he did say hunt. that.
3: I think he did say that. I think he just said that again yesterday. Uh, he says it quite frequently, actually. Yes. Uh, he was saying it was uh, particularly callous uh, what uh, Gardy discovered in Kulak. Uh, that was before the discovery Uh, of a head in Drumcondra this morning uh, and he said that uh, every resource needed will be given to tackle the issue. Uh, Mm. We've heard that before, of course. This listener Mm. says
4: if a superintendent thinks that a person, male or female, is involved in a feud, should be able to lift every one of them. They should be interned in army barracks until charges are brought against them that uh, there should be courts sitting from 9am to 9pm no bail no poor home story mm. or bull that is often the case it's time to get tough
3: alright well they're talking very very radical measures uh, there uh, similar uh, to internment uh, in Northern Ireland uh, which will, of course uh, would have been so controversial or the special criminal court uh, which uh, continues to be the same
4: Uh, another listener just on um, John Miles the taxi driver Mm. being shot says that Michael this is somebody innocent who has been caught up in this how many more innocent people are going to be shot before this is solved there doesn't seem to be any fear on either side of this feud and as far as I'm concerned, Mm. it appears that the Gardaí have definitely laid off this because there hasn't been as much Garda presence or visibility of these uh, checkpoints and Garda units in the area.
3: Yeah, well I don't think they have been as visible. I think that's uh, probably true. Gardaí say that they continue uh, to police uh, the area and that the armed response unit continues uh, to police the area. What we do know is that there's been two murders so far in this feud. It's expected that today a third Murder will have been confirmed, and that that murder will be the killing of a child, a 17 year old from Drogheda, whose body parts are being found in different parts of Dublin this week. We also know that John Miles was an innocent victim caught up in the crossfire and received gunshot as a, a result of him being in the wrong place. At the wrong time we do know that other people have come close to being shot or injured as a, a result of uh, these gangs trying to do outdo each other. We know that a, a woman in hardman 's gardens very nearly lost her, her life uh, when a, a bullet uh, just grazed her, went by her so close to her uh, and indeed a van driver at the same incident uh, near the McDonald's shop uh, when shots were fired at a house in the middle of the afternoon. We know that uh, some children were very close uh, to being injured if not killed when they were playing in Termin Abbey and we also know that an awful lot of people were put uh, at risk when shots were fired in the middle of the afternoon at the M1 retail park in Drogheda so this is something that is very close to home uh, and is very real for people living in this area.
4: That's right, Michael. And I've, I've piles of comments in in support of John Miles following oh that interview mm. yesterday. Yeah. I can't get through them all, but I'll just mm. read one from yeah. Jane who says, I welled up listening to that interview. God love John and his family. It's mm. shocking, sad, Michael, that a man can't go out to work and you're up against something like this.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, and maybe people Uh, We'll take a a minute to reflect on what they do themselves. And for God's sake, when you go on the Internet and you type something in, think about what you're saying. uh, And uh, is it true? Do you know that it's true? Uh, And what consequence is there uh, to what you might be saying uh, about somebody in terms of their reputation and their livelihood and the impact that would have on their family and so on? And that's let's not forget why John Miles came into us, uh, because people had been saying terrible things about him which were simply not true. All right, we leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed uh, to everybody who has been in touch with us today. Thanks, Marie, for that matter. If you'd like to add to what's been said, our telephone number is 185715958. Michael Michael Reid
6: Reid on on LMFM.
3: Now, Fine Gael will always contend it is uh, the party of law and order, uh, but uh, there is a little... Uh, available at uh, the moment as far as some local people are concerned. Let's talk uh, about uh, some of uh, the ongoing issues now with uh, Fine Gael TD and Loud Ferguson O'Dowd. A very good morning, good morning to you and thanks morning. for joining us. Uh, obviously, you're based in Drogheda, a place where people uh, will say that it is lawlessness uh, and uh, that uh, is subject to barbaric violence.
10: Well, there's no doubt about it that the evil that has being perpetrated locally. And the murder of that young person yesterday, as you described, in a child under eighteen years of age—an appalling, savage, evil act—and obviously there is a lot of evil among people who want to kill, who want to maim, and then who want to mutilate. And this is absolutely beyond all, 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 all thought that, and it could actually do things like that. Mm. Uh, so it does, it does horrify and obviously upsets and has to be reacted and response, responded to it. And I think on the question of the law aspect of it, I spoke yesterday morning to Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan about the issue. That was before, it was very early yesterday morning, um, before there was clarity about some of the actions that had happened or the people that may have been involved. Um, and I also spoke to the Taoiseach yesterday uh, very early uh, as well about my concerns. So uh, I will continue to do that. Um, I I was uh, just deeply shocked and appalled at mm. what has happened. And it just so happened that John, who was on your radio yesterday...
3: The taxi driver, the taxi John Miles, yeah.
10: I had actually met him. I had mm. been speaking to him uh, just in Stockwell Street, uh, just before he went to pick up that taxi fare. Mm. And I spoke to him as well yesterday morning after after what happened. So... I think that everybody's shocked, everybody's horrified, and obviously everybody wants the perpetrators of these acts
3: to be. Uh, and shot. that taxi fire turned out uh, to be a, a target uh, from one of uh, the gangs, which resulted in John looking down the barrel of a gun and ending up oh. shot himself. Uh, what have you been hearing uh, about uh, that shooting? Was it in retaliation for the killing of well, I, this I child in Driver?
10: Well, I leave that. Like I mean, obviously, as you said yourself, there's lots of stories on on the internet and so on. Um, I have put in a call to the chief superintendent this morning. Uh, I was at the dentist session, you know, also, I've been able to speak to him, but he did text him back, and I'll be talking to him shortly. But I think what we have to do is support the guardie and to ensure that if the guardie requests or want or need any additional uh, support or help from. You know, from the guardie or back backup from the armed response unit, or if necessary, uh, presence of the army or whatever, whatever is needed has to be done, and uh, that's my job to make sure that those, uh, you know, the needs of the guardie, whatever they are, are, are responded to, and I've no doubt they will be. Uh, they will have to be whatever they, do, whatever they wish, whatever they need, um, and clearly, obviously, because of our democratic process. And our court process, there has to be a due process in terms of prosecutions um, I know there are a significant number of cases before our courts so I haven't asked, I haven't got an update on those as yet uh, but there are issues, serious issues before the courts at this moment in time as well
3: mm. People will say they've heard all of this before
10: Of course they will And uh, but the facts are the facts and um, clearly you know, the guards can't be everywhere, Michael. They can't stop every act of violence. Uh, they, there's a huge, there are huge resources mm. have been allocated, and properly so, to the Guardian, Drogheda. And if they need any more, they, they will have to get them. But well,
3: we've got that. to a crisis situation. Uh, we've of seen it escalate. Yeah, uh, no, of course to, we have. Of course uh, we have, yeah. To, to, to a point which is beyond belief. Uh, when of course. Sure. We're talking about the kind of barbaric thing with body parts being found in different parts of the city belonging to a child that, uh, or thought to be belonging to a child that has been sure. missing since Sunday uh, I mean, how does it get hold and, and should we be putting out this far, or should we have stopped it from happening?
10: Well the question Michael is that uh, there's a very simple answer to some of this in that if drugs are illegal and when people sell them uh, they make a very significant profit and as we know it's not just in Ireland is this around the world and criminal gangs fight over control of territories and they murder and kill and maim and burn and uh, you know you know yourself what goes on mm. and obviously Drogheda is at the heart of all of that right now the only way of dealing with it is is by the Gardaí getting the evidence that they need in the court of law and obviously clearly the courts are the courts and you have to have Evidence to put before them, and the guardie have significant evidence against a, m- a number of people who have committed serious crimes, and th- they're going through the courts at the moment. And the prosecution, obviously, the guard handed over to mm. the director. Of Why
3: Public weren't Process they stopped in their the tracks court. though when they were doing petty crimes? I, I mean, this well, is what people don't understand. Uh, they're saying, how did it get this bad?
10: Well, I mean, we all like uh, we, we we all know people who you know who have who have got into trouble. Uh, As a teacher for many years, I was aware of of the fact that young people coming from particular, uh, you know, particular Mm -hmm. family or particular background, they're more likely uh, to end up in trouble with the law. It may be because they they don't have the resources at home. They may not have the supports in the home. Uh, You know, they may have you know, they may have. There are all sorts of issues that uh, that mean that children don't develop normally as most families do and teachers are very much aware of that social workers mm. are very much aware of that but at the end of the day you know obviously things like evil things like what has happened this week have has happened um, you know and, and obviously that happens that, that happens and you can't stop that but well, what you can do is
3: provide Well, maybe, well, well then pe- pe- people will ask, should we try and find somebody who can stop it? I mean...
10: Well, it, well the it, due process, Michael, of law... I know, but... Is, it, it's it, what we have to abide yes. by. And if we take...
3: It Under law, the system of democracy, yeah. which has, uh, as part of it, a government uh, and the judicial system, the police force, uh, and so on. Uh, and all of that uh, is put in place so that the rest of us can live peacefully and safely. Uh, and if it's yeah. not working, well, then then perhaps we should look to somebody else to make it work. If Fine Gael, uh, allows a town like Drota to descend into a state of anarchy, which uh, seems uh, to be the case, well, then perhaps somebody else can police it.
10: Well, Michael, the only people that can police, regardless of who's in government, are policemen. Yes, and, police, and they, and they can only do the job the with
3: the tools that they're given.
10: Of course, and they must be properly trained and they must mm. be fully resourced and uh, there are 25 more policemen in Drogheda today than there were a year ago and they're here permanently and they're very well they're, they're very welcome mm. and they, they they I don't have the figures in front of me but I do know up to last October I think there was I don't have the exact number there were hundreds of checkpoints, a very significant number of them.
3: Well, will you understand that people blame you, if like, people blame no, your, well, people Michael, blame your party do. when they go out no. to vote on the 8th?
10: Well, you, well, Michael, you can articulate that, but I don't believe that's what people believe. People believe that these people have to be apprehended, have to be brought before the
3: court, mm.
10: have to be convicted, have to get long sentences. And that they okay, are. Well, not, well,
3: well, uh, well, 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 let's put it another I, I, way. Pe- people also yeah. believe that these people should have been stopped in their tracks before they got into this position where they became so uh, rich and powerful and violent to the extent that they're
10: how and do you it, do that?
3: Because they didn't just suddenly become the big, rich, powerful, no, but, violent people that they are. Of course, no, no, I accept that. This has I worsened say, over yeah. a period of time, up to the point where now we're killing children and chopping their bodies up.
10: But that's what happened in this case, and that is an appalling evil act, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's evil to kill and to, to, to you know, to, to do what. Look, it's just unthinkable hmm. that anybody would actually do something like that. My job is to make sure that the people who run the guards and the people who run the country know about this. I heard about this yesterday morning and, and before 9am I had mm-hmm. communicated with both the chief superintendent and with the T-shirt directly about this issue and I will be doing further today. Um, and I think that what we must do or whether anybody who has any information must give it to the guard you know, because that's the only place that it can be dealt with properly. The question about the courts: there is legislation in relation to, to gangs. If you're deemed to be a member of a gang, there are uh, there, there, there is law on the statute book. If the Gardaí or the DPP chooses to use it, where people can be brought for the special criminal court, as opposed to the ordinary circuit criminal court. Uh, so, so there there are issues that have to be looked at. Um, and I agree absolutely. The people of Drogheda and indeed every other town, you know, must be reassured. Uh, that any arm of the law that can be used to to to, to catch these criminals and to put them away forever mm. must be used, but it can only be used in the way that the law allows you to do it. And to say, and I'm not suggesting you're saying it, Michael, personally, it's up to somebody else to do this. It, it's up to the Guardi to do it, and absolutely nobody else. And I think the Guardi have the full support of all the people in Drogheda, they have they have the full support of the state. The Taoiseach is anxious to know you what know, if anything else the Guardi might wish or need. And um I mean that is the appropriate and proper response. Uh,
3: and okay, but you, but but you're yeah. looking for votes now on the a No, Michael,
10: I'm not talking about votes. But
3: but, but, no. but, I, but, but I but yeah, I, but, well, but you I want
10: you I'm talking about I'm talking about what must be done how yes. well, well, uh, and it's not it's not it's look come here this has to be done regardless of who's in government. This has to be done.
3: But if somebody else says they can change myself. it if they are in government, uh, perhaps... Yes, Michael, uh,
10: I, I have no problem But the people vote for the government they want. Uh, but the point is that we can, no matter who the government are, mm. they can only act within the law and the government must make sure that the gardaí act within the law mm. and
3: that they have all and the that, resource that they resource the need. gardaí to act within the law and they introduce absolutely. the laws that are necessary to bring about law and order if finnagle a- if finnagle cannot, if no. ca- cannot well, deliver law and order perhaps people well, could be forgiven for voting Michael, for somebody uh, who that's,
10: will that's, but that's a fine point for you to make but uh, th- th- no and I, I didn't ask this yesterday of the chief superintendent but i will speak to him as soon as as soon as i can and what I asked him the last time I spoke about this, did the Gardaí in Drogheda have the resources that they need to deal with this crime? And the answer to that was yes. Now, if that answer has changed, uh, I would be more than happy to make sure, and I know everybody else mm-hmm. will as well, uh, that the Guardi have every resource possible that they need.
3: Maybe they and do, and but but, right. but but that doesn't answer the question for people listening to us this morning, many of whom would be stopped in traffic on the Bridge of Peace on a regular basis and don't want to face down the barrel of a gun. Where's the answer of to course. that question?
10: Well, the answer is that the person who pointed that gun, or sorry, who fired that gun, ha- has to be apprehended. Now, I don't know anything about the vehicle that they were using. So, so
3: there is CCTV. C- so there is no answer.
10: Um, um, well, Michael, I, I'm not—I'm not a guarder uh, as
3: such, mm, but, but well, I do no, know. I know you're not a guarder, guard but—but no, no. But I mean, but when people go to vote, when people go to answer. vote, this will be an issue for them, and they of will want somebody to give issue. them an answer. Of course, it is, and an they issue. will want somebody to give them an answer. But you well, can't do that. Michael,
10: I'm, I'm trying to give an answer uh, through your program to answer your questions mm. as honestly as I can. And I say and I repeat, the teacher is aware of this. Mm. Uh, he asked what, what more what is needed to be done mm. and I will be speaking to the chief superintendent after this to find out uh, what if any other issues that are of concern to him and to guarantee the chief superintendent, as we all did as TDs in this county, to support and we signed a document which went to the Minister for Justice calling for full support to the Gardaí in whatever way they wish, whatever they want. They are the people who 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 make this call not politicians but we will support them and the fact that there are 25 permanent garda new in okay. is very reassuring to the people okay, and if but, they need but, more but you'd forgive have
3: to have them. you'd forgive people for voting for somebody else who says that they can deliver law and order
10: Well, michael um law and order is delivered by the garda and it's the resources...
3: But if a the politician eat. says, if in government we'll deliver law and order, you'd forgive somebody for voting for them if you can't make that same well, Michael, promise.
10: Michael, I, I, I can't stop physically a criminal committing a criminal act, but what I can make sure is that the guardie have the resources and that there are enough of them and they have the specialties or mm. the... Expertise.
3: Well, this is on your watch. This is on the Fine Gael watch.
10: Michael... It is it is more than just a, a simple political challenge. It is at the heart of our society. Mm. This is something yep. we all have to deal with. We all have to deal, and we all have to make sure that that it is stopped. And we can only stop it within the law. And if the people who administer the law do not have all the resources that they need, uh, you know, then they have to get them. But mm. they have assured. But how long?
3: How long? A how long the were teachers. they saying we need more resources before they got them?
10: No, well, the Gardaí said they had adequate resources. Yeah,
3: but, but, but that's when they got them. How long had they been saying that they didn't have enough?
10: Michael, uh, I... D- it's on the Fine the Gael watch. Facts are, the, facts are that, uh, the facts are that there are 25 more Gardaí available to mm. the people of this town to fight crime. And if uh. they need more, I think there would be no issue with that. Okay, uh, But, uh, you know, and, and that's my job, to make okay. sure that their device of the gardie and the voice of the people is
3: uh, very well, clear. The, the the facts are that uh, despite 25 additional gardie in the local station a fellow walks down the road opposite the garda station with a gun in his hand and starts firing shots uh, and in the meantime uh, a child's body is this uh, yes. dis- and the
10: facts are and the facts also are that the guardie they can't be everywhere if you had a thousand gardie in the town it doesn't stop uh, a criminal with the motivation and the intent from doing that in another part of the town, and that's also a fact and and the point is that uh, you know these people you know there are a number of them before the courts uh, with very serious charges and that is also a fact Michael okay. and the fact is the Taoiseach is aware of this issue, and he was made aware of it immediately. Mm. And that, he's know, aware, aware that, 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 that there's a homeless job.
3: situation as well. He's aware. He's aware that there's uh, people waiting a, on hospital trolleys. Uh, he's aware of a lot of things. Of course, uh, but that doesn't, yeah, no, of course, Mike. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't. That doesn't, I, I, I make, wouldn't, that, that doesn't wouldn't, make. That, that doesn't. That doesn't make him competent, him competent to deal with it.
10: No, but I wouldn't make
3: little. I wouldn't make little
10: of his interest either in this particular
3: issue. No, I'm not making little of his no, interest. No, I'm no, just. I I'm just saying that no matter how interested he is, it doesn't make him competent to deal with it.
10: Look, come You can. You can say what you like about me, I don't mind. I'm
3: it's not saying good, anything about anything, I'm just saying no, that no, to say no, that no, somebody that is interested in something doesn't make Michael. them competent to I deal want with to be,
10: it. I want to be crystal clear with yeah. you and true you to the people who are listening.
3: Yeah, that this is there happening no on the Finnegale watch the and the Guardi, Taoiseach is
0: interested.
10: Okay, Michael, you you, you you don't want me to say this, but so I'm going to say it anyway. Is that whatever resources that are needed by the Gardaí, they will have, and I will make sure if there are any additional resources they want, they will have them. And that the Taoiseach is anxious to know the answer to that question.
3: Okay, we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank, Thank you very you. much indeed, as always. Finnegal TD for Loud, figures it out.
6: Michael Reed, Reed on, LMFM. on LMFM.
3: Now let's talk about uh, the Pope, which one you might ask. Well, both of them, Francis and Benedict, and uh, a controversy that has ensued following comments made by Pope Benedict. Benedict uh, and uh, controversy between the two popes. Uh, Pope Francis is currently in the process of deciding whether priests uh, should uh, be married men uh, in the Amazon region of Latin America but Pope Benedict has said in his book from the depths of our hearts that celibacy should remain in place in the Catholic Church and that priest should not be allowed to be married. Father Iggy O'Donovan is an Augustinian priest and he's on the line with us. A very good morning to and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Uh, this is uh, difficult to understand uh, in uh, that uh, it may not be Pope Benedict's view uh, and uh, if it is, uh, well then, uh, it's questionable as to whether uh, he is of his census.
2: <coughs> well, I didn't call it this controversy, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, no, It's. It, I think what we're dealing with here is a bigger battle that's going on within the Church uh, between the, if you like, the Liberals and Conservatives. And clearly what's happening here, what appears to happen here, Benedict's name certainly is being used. Whether he's in charge of it or not, I'm not sure. Mm. But his name is certainly being used because the, the Cardinal concerns Sarah, uh, who actually is an African cardinal, mm. very influential, and uh, also extremely conservative and extremely right-wing and indeed intolerant.
3: And Robert Sarah is uh, the cardinal from Guinea who has co-written uh, this book or, or has uh, written it uh, for Pope Benedict.
2: Yes. Well, apparently they wrote this thing together at the, was in two sections, one part by Benedict, one part by Sarah. Both had signed off on it, apparently. But it looks now like Benedict is rowing back a bit and he has asked that his name be removed from the authorship. Uh, now, Sarah has t- told us that he's prepared to do that, but that the text remains exactly the same and that it was written by Benedict.
3: And Benedict so, is 92 now, isn't he? Just, he uh, is in the 90s, yes, Benedict
2: and uh, apparently quite hmm. unwell.
3: Uh, and but, quite frail uh, uh, and not able... Uh, to sit for any length of time writing a, 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 a book like this. Uh, people would say, or it's been reported at least, uh, that he, he may be able to sit and write for uh, 15 minutes at most.
2: Yeah, and my God, very good if he can do that. But, uh, but really what's happening here, Michael, is that it's, it's a deeper, it's, there's more to it, if you like, meets the eye, because uh, the Francis is at the moment preparing a document in response to the synod which he held recently, and who who made recommendations to him. And one of the recommendations they made was that in the Amazon, Amazonia, South American area, Mm. that uh, married priests could be made available simply Mm. because there simply aren't any others available. And uh, as a way of bringing the sacraments to the people, and apparently Francis was minded to go in that direction. So this is clearly a shot across his bows. Across uh, his, understandably
3: so, because if married men can become priests in the Amazon, well then surely married men will be ordained elsewhere.
2: Well, if it's true in the Amazon basin, it should be surely just as true in the Boyne basin, maybe more so, hmm. and or anywhere else. So that, therefore I think... If we, T- t- the idea that you can restrict something geographically, I think, is a bit laughable, really. But at least Francis is moving in that direction, and I think his heart is in the right place. But it's fiendishly difficult to reform in Rome, and there's certainly a movement to undermine him and damage him. We had that during his visit to Ireland. Some people, listeners may remember that vegano you know, document that was released during the midst of his visit to Ireland, accusing him of all types of things, which was clearly an effort to undermine him, destroy his credibility. And this is more of it. Now, whether uh, Benedict intentionally got involved in this, I'm not sure. He may have been uh, misled and... Mm. At the moment, between fake news and false news and whatnot, it's hard to know because all types of stories are coming out of Rome at the moment. Benedict's private secretary yesterday said that uh, something along the lines that while Francis was the writer, he was not the co author. Now, if you want to start splitting hairs, my God, that's one way of doing it.
3: You know? Mm. Uh- if married men are to become priests in the Amazon Basin uh, well then that would mean that celibacy is no longer mandatory in uh, the Catholic Church is that the right way forward uh, should it become optional?
2: Well I had always held it we should become optional, now in my case the ship has already sailed, shall we say but um, I would always have made the option available uh, for those who wanted it because it's a it's good to know, I think, and it's for your listeners to know, mm. that it is not a matter of faith or doctrine or dogma. This is purely a matter of discipline, which didn't exist for the first thousand years of Christianity, except for those who opted for it, uh, as monks or whatever they might have been. But uh, it was then it became mandatory, and then it took on a life of its own, and uh, I think, well, i say as far as many listeners are concerned, it's purely an academic thing. Now they're not pushed one way or the other. What we do that way? Mm. Because... It, but in any event, in any event, it probably will be inevitable sooner or later. Now, not that it will be the answer to all the problems, mm-hmm. because you take the Anglican Church, if anything, their vocations crisis is even greater okay,
3: well, nice. than so the Catholic pre- one. That preempts the next question, which is, uh, do you think uh, more men or women, for that matter, would be attracted to the priesthood if they were allowed to marry?
2: I... All I can say on that, Michael, really, is that I, I, judging my own personal experience, the number of my friends and colleagues who have left the priesthood in my time, the majority have done so in order to marry. The, the ones that I know of, mm. uh, I have to say that. So that at least uh, there certainly would be more of us round had that option been available. I know that because, I, and some of my very fine, some of the very finest, because it's often those with the best initiative. And uh, the most ability and so forth who take the initiative and then they move up and sort of grab the bull by the horns and move on. So, Which is a great pity because also out there, there are thousands of married Catholic ex-priests. Uh, uh, what ex-priests is probably not a good word for it. But there are thousands of them out there who are willing to serve as married men who have left the priesthood in order to marry and I think they should be most welcome because they are needed. My God, when you yeah. look around us at the moment, uh, our state of degeneracy, and, and as we totter towards the tomb, most of us, uh, there, there is a desperate need for some new blood. And I think that is one way of getting it.
3: Okay. Good to talk to you, as always. And thank you, indeed, for joining us Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Father Riggio Donovan.
6: Michael Reed on on
3: LMFM. The Trade Union Left Forum is uh, to launch a workers' rights campaign, which, if successful, would result in uh, people not just having the right to join a trade union, but to be represented by that trade union, and would also compel their unions and their employers to heed the industrial relations arms of the state. Let's hear more about this with Murren Dalton, who's an organiser. With the mandate trade union and spokesperson for trade union left forum. Good morning, Chimurenga, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, maybe you'd start by telling us what trade union left forum is, first of all.
6: um tra- trade union left forum is it's um, a committee that's come together, and um, it, it, there's a, a good few of the trade unions have signed up. So it's mandate trade union, unite trade union, connect tr- trade union, and force it. Um, we have support of other trade unions as well, and w- what it is, is is, throughout the years, we've realised that the Industrial Relations Act. Sorry about my voice, difficult. The Industrial Relations Act uh, of 1990 uh, is not good enough anymore. It's, it's, you know, it's, it it doesn't benefit the workers. Um, it's not helping the workers. It's helping the employer, employers more than the employees. Yeah. Um, and we find it every day. And what we want is we want it abolished, and we want um, it replaced with a fair employment act, which would include a right to access, a right to union recognition, a right to collective bargaining, and um, a, a, and to end the voluntary system. Because the voluntary system at the moment, it's just um, like before I before I was in mandate, I was a, I worked in Dunn stores, and I was heavily involved in the decency for Dun's campaign. Mm. And um, all these, all these rights we do not have in done Stores, or and I'm not just going to mention done Stores. It's any anti-union company. They're getting away with murder uh, with the Industrial Relations 1990 Act because that whole right to access or right to union recognition as a union member, if you're in an anti-union store, um, it's not even about getting the industrial officer in to sit with you. Um, you. You can't have a witness, you know. Mm. They'll say you can have a witness, but you're only bringing up, you're only bringing up your colleague off the checkout, which is they're not trained. Mm. Um, so, so, and, it's and they are just,
3: and, and they are just a witness, uh, and that's all that they can be. But uh, yeah. t- t- tell us yeah. a little bit more about collective bargaining uh, because uh, it's a term that's often used, uh, but uh, interpreted differently sometimes uh, when. Jed Nash was uh, Minister for uh, Employment uh, and uh, Business. Uh, He introduced collective bargaining, and there was a lot of fanfare about that. uh, But you're saying that you want collective bargaining to be introduced. How can that be?
6: Yeah, well, full collective bargaining rights um, would be part of of the Employment Fair Act because um, we wanted where, where... um, it's the employee's choice and the employees have to say and it's the uh, um employee's right to ha- to have full collective bargaining rights at the at the moment if if i, I bring issues um to to a major company like dun stores we don't actually have collective bargaining rights we don't have um they they, they basically laugh at the wrc they laugh at the labor commission yeah. um so, so we want to, to, to get rid of that voluntary system, and we want to bring in full collective bargaining rights and full um, access to the trade union. And, and full trade union recognition, like this business of companies being able to say, "Oh, we don't recognise a trade union," mm. so that means you can't even put a poster up on the canteen wall to say that there's a meeting, an information meeting, say about the new provisional miscellaneous act that was brought in 2015. A lot of workers out there don't understand what that is. They don't understand now if you work a full year in a company, you can go in and ask your manager um, to look back over that year, and instead of being on a zero-hour contract, mm. you can be, you can be in a 21-hour contract or a 26-hour contract, whatever those average hours were over... And
3: if your employer is in, in breach of employment law, you want to be able to go to your shop steward uh, who has yes. been trained uh, who uh, has uh, the back of uh, the trade union uh, who can uh, act on behalf of you but uh, can do so in a collective way so that uh, they can say, look, you know uh, if you don't do X, uh, the rest of us will do Y, the whole workforce will act in a certain yeah, way. Yeah,
6: and at the moment there's a seven day rule, there has to be a secret ballot, a seven day rule. Like take for instance if you went to a building site and you think Oh look, that scaffolding doesn't look right, right lads. We're we're mm-hmm. walking off the site here until that's fixed, and and this is a, a safe environment to walk. You actually, by law, can't do that because you have to give seven days' notice. And you know, like like, and this is all in the Industrial Relations Act. And,
3: so, and if a ruling is made by the Labour Court, you want that to be binding on both sides, is it?
6: Binding on both sides. I mean, I don't understand how, you know, the Labour Court can make a decision and. You know the, the big supermarkets can just say, "Oh no, sure, we're just gonna ignore this you know it, and and that's the reason there's there's an awful lot of you know the only reason we were recognized in doing stores and we got or like we didn't go on strike for pay we got we went on strike for secure errors, which was was one of the reasons that the law was changed to bring in the banded error bill at the provisional miscellaneous act and uh, was because managers do use the errors to bully staff. And this isn't only in dorms, this is across the board in all jobs, in all low-hour, low air contract jobs. So you look at your bar workers, you look at your waitresses, all those jobs, it's like tip theft. Do you know um, mm-hmm. that businesses are, like it's shocking that businesses are allowed to keep tips.
3: Indeed. And A lot uh, of people would agree with that, Marina. I have to leave it there though because we're out of time. Uh, You're campaign... very good.
6: Um, the launch is on Saturday, 2 o'clock in Connect Trade Union in Dublin on six year in a row. All right. So if anybody's free, we've great speakers come along and have
3: a, have a listen. All right, and we can give people more details if they make contact with us. Marin, thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Marin Dalton, organizer with uh, the Mandate Trade Union and spokesperson with Trade Union Left Forum, brings our program to its conclusion. God willing, we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning at nine a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye bye.
0: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.